The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 117th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my... Highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as my event of the week that I attended. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is the Pittsburgh Pirates finally ending their streak of 20 years in a row without a winning season the longest such streak in North American sports history among the four major sports, basketball, football, hockey, and, of course, baseball. As my listeners know, I grew up near Pittsburgh, grew up going to Forbes Field, watching the likes of Roberto Clemente and Willie Stargell, and it was really bothersome to have the Pirates really a glorious franchise, certainly back in those days, in the 60s and 70s, uh, holding this ignominious record. But it's over. They got their 81st victory the other night. They are guaranteed, no matter what, of having at worst an 81-81 and 81 record. But I'm sure they'll get that 82nd win to ensure a winning season. And uh, not only did they end this horrible streak, uh, they're in the midst of a pennant race, i.e. witness the cover of uh, yesterday's Sports Illustrated with uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates on the cover, something uh, we haven't seen in far, far, far too long. And uh, as we speak, they're preparing for a huge three-game series with the St. Louis Cardinals tonight. Uh, out in St. Louis, uh, Pirates hold a game-and-a-half lead over the Cardinals, who are uh, baseball royalty, so uh, nobody's counting their chickens before they're hatched about the Pirates making it into the postseason or winning the NL Central by any means, but here we are, first weekend of September, and uh, the Pirates are in a very meaningful uh, series this weekend. Uh, it's just great to see Pittsburgh back uh, in a pennant chase. And life is good as the Pittsburgh Pirates again have finally ended the worst streak in America in North American sports history. Just no other way to say it. 
Well, my low light of the week is Johnny Manziel and his performance on the field last Saturday for Texas A&M, where the Heisman Trophy winner showed himself to be as big a jerk, if not a bigger jerk, on the field as he was off the field. And I just found it particularly disappointing because uh, I've been, you know, saying all along that with all his off-field antics since winning the Heisman, that uh, as long as he produced on the field, that would basically all go away. And he did perform on the field, albeit the second half. As we all know, he was suspended for the first half in a ridiculous NCAA, quote, uh, suspension. Um, And when when he arrived on the field, he was great, but it brought with it a lot of, uh, you know, bad, yet again, more bad behavior, which was, you know, him giving the money sign in the air, mockingly signing autographs in the air. And then at the end, he got into it with uh, a couple of Rice players. Whatever he said was pretty egregious because the two refs right there within a couple feet earshot range of what he was saying to the Rice players immediately both threw up their penalty flags for unsportsmanlike conduct, which then led to coach Kevin Sumlin pulling him from the game. And we all know that story that's still unfolding this week. And, uh, you know, where everybody would love to know what Sumlin said to Manziel. It did not elicit a response and Sumlin made it clear that it should not have elicited a response from, uh, Johnny football. So anyway, uh, I guess all you can say, and a lot of others have said this this week, is, you know, he seems to be embracing the role of being a villain and being, quote, disliked. So if that's the case, he's succeeding. And we shall see how it all unfolds. Obviously, a week from tomorrow is the big day for Johnny Manziel when he takes on juggernaut Alabama in College Station and the game of the year, period. My bizarre story of the week is last night's start to the NFL season. Bizarre in just a couple of ways, uh, starting with, of course, the weather delay, which uh, it was just so ironic, uh, given that the Orioles had a game last night, forcing the Ravens to move their game to Denver. They did not host the game as the Super Bowl champions, we all watched the concert in the hour leading up to the game. The weather was beautiful in Baltimore, of course. And, you know, the season ended in the Super Bowl last year with the blackout. It began this year with a, oh, I'd say half an hour or so weather delay, which was just kind of freaky because when it was first called moments into the broadcast, uh, the weather was beautiful in Denver. They were talking about how it was 90 degrees but that thunderstorms were moving in off the Rockies and uh, potentially with lightning. So I don't in any way question the decision. The NFL is uh, always on top of these types of things and typically makes the right decision, and they did last night. But it was just ironic uh, that that's how the season would start in a city where the game should not have been played. Just that simple. The game itself was kind of bizarre in that the Ravens, New look defense, minus Ray Lewis, who retired, Ned Reed, who went to the Texans, and a few others, uh, gave up seven touchdown passes to Peyton Manning. Just incredible. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, a team built on defense, 
they made their name on defense, and for them to allow seven touchdowns in their first game after becoming Super Bowl champions was bizarre. No other way to say it. It was also bizarre as a longtime Patriot season ticket holder who basically attends every home game to see Wes Welker in a Denver Broncos uniform last night, catching passes, a couple of those touchdowns from Peyton Manning. Uh, Welker also had a fumbled punt return, which led directly to an immediate Ravens touchdown. But all in all, I'd say it was a pretty good night for Welker. Pretty good start to his career in Denver. But uh, all in all, a pretty bizarre evening of football again. Who among us would have ever thought they would witness a day when the Baltimore Ravens defense would give up seven touchdowns, tying an NFL record for most touchdowns ever thrown by one quarterback? That, of course, was Peyton Manning. No surprise there. Well, my event of the week that I attended was the <clears throat> Deutsche Bank Golf Championship about a half an hour from my house over at the TPC and suburban Boston in Norton, Massachusetts, and another great tournament, crazy weather. Maybe I should have made that the bizarre item of the week because the weather was bizarre on Sunday, Monday. Unbelievable, unbelievable morning thunderstorms as long uh, and as hard of rain as I can remember in recent memory up here. So it just made the whole thing kind of surreal. Any of you who watched it knew they were delaying tea times, that type of thing. But bottom line, to the PGA's credit and the Tiger Woods group that managed the, uh, <clears throat> managed the tournament. The tournament is held with the, uh, for the benefit of the Tiger Woods Foundation and has for years. They got it done on time, right on time, as always, ending in the early evening on Labor Day. Uh, one of the highlights of the tournament was Tiger, Phil Mickelson, Adam Scott played as a threesome on Friday and Saturday. The tournament opened on Friday, closed on Monday. Only one of the year that closes on a Monday. And so I followed them uh, around, and it was just absolutely spectacular on Saturday afternoon. The gallery was as large as any I've ever seen, and I've been to a few golf tournaments in my day, and it was just incredible. Uh, high energy, just watching those three together. Uh, on the first few holes, they teed off Saturday afternoon around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was just uh, electric, just tremendous to watch. And... Uh, you know, Tiger, Phil, they, they all three of them got off to pretty good starts, but then faded as the weekend came along. And in the end, it was Henrik Stenson, who's been knocking at the door uh, throughout the summer, was on the, uh, played in the, you know, final, final twosome of a couple of majors this summer. And he eliminated any drama for the 18th hole by holding out from the bunker on the 17th giving himself a two-shot lead over Steve Stricker. He coasted from there. And very likable guy. And here's what Henrik Stenson had to say immediately following winning his winning of the Deutsche Bank Championship. Great 
Stenson is a funny guy, very likable, very gracious winner, and as I mentioned earlier, he was, he's was he been knocking on the door all summer, specifically in the British Open, and here's what he had to say about his effort there. I wasn't disappointed, like, uh, like I said a few times, yeah, Scottish Open had a two-shot lead going into the last round, and I didn't play my best until I came through and won that tournament, that's the one I felt I let go a little bit, still not sure I would have won it, but I didn't feel like I played there as well as I, I should have and could have. These other three tournaments, I've been, I've been playing my, uh, I've tried my hardest, I've been playing really well, and they've been won by, by some great players in great ways, so I don't know, you know, I can't look back at my performance and regret too much. Uh, yeah, I ended up in a standard digit on 14 at the PGA in the last round, and I kind of, you know, I was stepping too off the base at the time, and I kind of, you know, it did pretty much standard my chances. Well, Stenson's career has basically been up and down, uh, mostly up these days, but has has its down had its downs, and here's what he had to say about basically coming back from some of those downs. It was, it was a really poor season by, by any, any standards, and, and uh, you know, I started, started coming back uh, beginning of last year, and at, at the end of last year, I got, to, I got my first win in three and a half years, I think, by winning the South African Open Championship. And, and uh, then I didn't quite get it going earlier this year, but uh, from Bay Hill, Houston time, I got my ticket to Augusta, and since then on, it's been steady progress, and, and uh, a couple of fantastic months, but, and this obviously is, uh, is the icing on the cake, and I was so uh, longing for a win, and, and I got it uh, probably closer than, than I thought I would get it, so uh, yeah, I'm very pleased with this week and, and my performances. Well, that was Henrik Stenson, winner of the Deutsche Bank golf championship up here in new england a deserving winner to be sure and record crowds despite some pretty crazy weather over labor day weekend up here and golf is alive and well in new england and now as my former co-host Lemont williams from outside the huddle likes to say it's time to pay some bills so let's take our break and next up will be our weekly call-in expert 
AP Stedham, Obama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole! It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the Best-Kept Secrets for Success in Business and Life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com, promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine and AP, thanks for calling in, and welcome to the show again. Oh, thank you, John. Great to be here. Well, excellent. Uh, well, when we spoke last Friday, we had only uh, had a couple of college football games to talk about that were had kicked off the night before, and uh, but we ended up getting a whole weekend's worth for Labor Day weekend, and uh, what stands out when you look back on the first weekend of college football that was played? Yeah, right away, John, that Monday night game when Jameis Winston, the Hueytown, Alabama native, debuted for the you know Florida State. He was flawless with that performance. I can't recall a freshman quarterback uh, coming in and leading his team on national television. I mean, 25 for 27, four touchdowns. He rushed for one. Is on the road, national TV. You know, he was so poised. He had a strong arm, accurate, in command. A natural leader. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, you know, you can recall somebody performing that well uh, first time out of the gate. 
You know, I really can't. I mean, that was special. Uh, you know, I, I literally rushed home from the golf tournament, which ended around 6 p.m. on uh, Monday, Labor Day, to get home in time for the 8 o'clock kickoff. Uh, you know, I grew up near Pittsburgh, and the game was played against Pitt in Heinz Field, home of the Steelers, and, you know, I've been to a lot of Pitt games in my day, and uh, so, I, <clears throat> you know, I had more than just a, you know, a normal interest in this game. I was very interested, to say the least, and... Uh, and with on the pit side of the ball, as well as, of course, Jameis Winston, his his legend had already started uh, with his performance in the spring game down in Florida State. Plus, uh, he's a baseball player who's been doing some pretty amazing things on the baseball field. So the name was out there before Monday night. But boy, what a debut. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It may be the best ever by a freshman in his first ever game. I mean, it was, what, 25 or 27, I think, and uh, yeah. just that remarkable. And Pitt, yeah, Pitt is not, you know, some, you know, to go old school, Division One A school, Division Two school, you know. I mean, yeah. they may not be the greatest, but they were what I consider, you know, above average competition, shall we say. And, oh yeah, uh, that was their, that was their first time in the ACC. So right, I mean, they'll see all those AC teams this year, and uh, you know they're going to make their mark or see what happens. But but uh, I've never seen anything like that performance as a freshman coming in and uh, just you know they routed him by almost thirty points. So he's, he's uh, as good as advertised. That and more, AP. Again, you know, <laughs> yeah. being from there, it is not easy to go into Pittsburgh and Pitt and do that in your first ever college game. It just isn't. And, you know, despite the fact that, you know, Pitt may not be, you know, in the running for the national championship, but they are, you know, they, they have some quality football players out there. So for him to do that against that team is even more impressive from where, for, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah, he's going to be a nightmare for a lot of defense coordinators. And, uh, John, the second thing, uh, of course, everyone was watching that Georgia-Clemson game, and I think it went, uh, like the script, we all thought it would work out. High scoring, you know, one team was going to edge the other one, and Clemson came out on top at home. And for me, uh, watching those two teams, you know they can score, but the question mark, the big question mark, is those defenses. You know, when they get in these big games down the road, can they get a few stops for their team? I mean, because when you're the Georgia quarterback and you score 35, I mean, how many is good enough to win? Does he have to get 40 every game, 50? I mean, I think it's it's deflating for the offense if you have to put up such huge numbers every game just to just to win. Absolutely. You know, uh, I don't think you can pin this loss on Aaron Murray by any means. I mean, it was just an offensive fireworks display. Great theater. I mean, what a great way, really, to, you know – uh, be the centerpiece game on the opening weekend of college football. It was just, you know, electric, uh, you, you know, great plays up and down and, you know, great athletes on the field. The energy of Death Valley uh, was just incredible. And I loved, by the way, the way they followed the Clemson players, how they get on the bus, go around the stadium, and then get out of the bus and, uh, you know, run, touch Howard's Rock before running onto the field. I mean, it's a great college football tradition. 
Tradition is inherent in our love of college football, and I loved how they basically showed that, like what goes on in the moments leading up to that, which I didn't know. I, yeah, I, I kind of assumed that they just come out of their locker room and just walk right down the field. You, you, you know, I, I, without you know, you don't know what you don't know, but to see that like going halfway around the stadium on the bus because they start at the opposite end zone and you know watch the crowd like going crazy cheering the bus, I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's a smart director who brought that to the attention of all the fans, and they should do it probably at every stadium, whatever that whatever that tradition might be, uh, hone in on it and let everyone around the nation become aware of their of their game day traditions. Bingo. You read my mind. You took the words right out of my mouth. I would love to see, you know, more of that. I don't really remember, you know, seeing anything quite like that before. And that, if it's going to be the first of many, it was a great first one because, you know, it was great theater with it. It lasted, you know, a good two, three, four minutes. And, you know, all of it was just great television. I really loved it. And, uh, so, yeah, I, I, again, I, I hope that's going to be something that, you know, ESPN and ABC are going to maybe, you know, uh, make a regular thing with their broadcast because everybody loves, you know, the traditions that go with college football games. And yet there's so many of them that we don't know exactly what's behind them and whatnot, but that's one that now we do. So I hope it continues. But, yeah, that, that crowd was just, uh, you know, electric, all in orange and uh, – you know, Clemson, just, again, one of the best places in the country to watch a game from. I just thought it was, you know, electric, and it got off to an electric start to really, really, you know, with all those touchdowns in the first quarter and uh, Taj Boyd, he, equally, you know, amazing. You know, if it's not for Jameis Winston, I think Taj Boyd is, you know, the quarterback of the weekend, to say the least. Oh, yeah, he was very impressive uh, on Saturday, and and he's right in there with all the other Heisman candidates. And depending on, I think, their one-loss record, I mean, you could see him in New York, uh, you know, with so many other players from across the country. You know, Dabo Sweeney, he's got it going on now, and now it's just a question of what are they going to do in these big games. And then the funny thing about Clemson, John, they always seem to stumble against some opponent that they should beat handily. Exactly, exactly, and, you know, that was a huge win for that program to beat, you know, an SEC opponent, a team that came within a play, basically, of going to the national championship game last year when, you know, they lost to Alabama, obviously, at the end in the uh, SEC championship game in Atlanta. So for Clemson to start out beating, you know, an SEC team, let alone Georgia, they couldn't ask for anything more. And, uh, yeah, Dabo Sweeney has it going and, you know, just as we head to break here, let me just say he is the best post-game interview in all of sports, not just college football, all of sports. I mean, I, I literally, I never, ever, ever do this, but I literally was looking forward to and then was completely, you know, excited for his post-game interview. That's how good it's been the last couple of years. He certainly is animated. Yes, he is. Uh he's great. So, you know, but I also thought, you know, he's always been funny and says, says great things, but I also thought last week he even took it up a notch where he was very, you know, gracious in victory as well, along with his just, you know, passion. So he's, he's just great to watch. Yeah. I really enjoy uh, watching Dabble and listening to his comments after the game and before the game or any time. 
anytime, anytime. I agree. And uh, well, we have a lot more to get to, but for now, it's time for our break. And I know you're sticking around, and we're going to get into more of the uh, great opening weekend of college football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts, Mike Greger and Joe Dara, every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And uh, thanks for sticking around for some more college football talk, A.P. And as I just said, you work for Bama Magazine, so why don't we talk about the uh, Bama victory over Virginia Tech? Yeah, John, first of all, uh Alabama fans, they're happy with the victory. I mean, to beat a ranked opponent by 25 points, uh, you can't complain about very much. But when you're seeking perfection, as Alabama fans are are now, and Nick Saban, there was the plight of that offensive line who gave up, I think, it was four sacks and, and total offense was a little bit over 200. So there's, it was a perfect situation for Alabama to win the game, but yet the offensive line did not play well, so Nick Saban can really harp on them this week that there needs to be improvement. Uh, you know, and I think you will see it with the offensive line through that second game. The communication is an issue when you're having five big guys trying to move and groove, you know, in the same rhythm. And, and uh, Virginia Tech played an excellent game up front. They they slanted and, and had some schemes that Alabama uh, was not prepared for from that team. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, Alabama's reached that point, and 
We've all seen it, be it with the Patriots today or when I used to cover the Steel Curtain Steelers. You know, it's not even about winning. When you get to that level, it's, you know, degree of difficulty and, you know, how how much did you win by? And, you know, you're not even looking at the great things that your team does as much as, you know, what are the minor little things that they didn't do. Uh, but, you know, that, that's where Alabama is. It's It's certainly not a bad place. It's a good place. And. I did see where uh, Alabama, you know, looking at little details and you have to just, uh, you know, wonder about everything with them that could hurt them was that they lost, uh, you know, defensive lineman Delvin Tomlinson for the year. And, uh, yeah, is that going to hurt him? Well, he he was an up-and-coming player, John. He, He was even recognized last year by some people when they watched Alabama because they didn't have an, you know, edge rusher. He was highlighted by some announcers so you know it could it's a loss and you know he's a good football player was on his way to you know progressing and and contributing much more this year as a a second line player but they'll have to you know put in someone else and move right on yes well their second and third stringers are you know blue chippers all to say the least but you know if you're texas a&m and you're looking at that in advance of next saturday's game game of the year you know, every little thing is, you know, that will give you, quote, hope is, you know, welcome. So I'm sure that that's exactly how they're looking at that. Uh, you know, it just upsets the apple cart ever so slightly, the juggernaut, so to speak. And uh, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, so there were lots of other games. Uh, what were the other ones that kind of got your attention last weekend, AP? Yeah, John, I was interested to watch the LSU quarterback, Zach Mettenberger, with the new offensive quarterback, um, new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks, Coach Cam Cameron. He played, you know, exceptionally well. I mean, his percentage was not that good, you know, 16 for 32, but he had 251 yards, and their offense was 13 for 19 on third downs. Uh, another positive for them was for the first time since 2000, the 2002 Sugar Bowl against Illinois, they had two receivers have 100-yard days, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. So I think LSU, people haven't been talking about them, but if that offensive uh, you know, system gets going, they're going to be very difficult to beat, especially when you have a big, strong-arm quarterback like Mettenberger and, and uh you know, their defense will come along, you know, because they lost so many players from last year. But you got to watch out for LSU. They're, they're right in there. Don't don't kid yourself. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that, that was a good game to watch. You know, TCU, quality team. Uh, coaches had, you know, a little bad blood between the coaches with some comments made, uh, you know, last month leading up to this game. And, you know, it was in – Jerry World, so there's 100,000 people there. So I, I enjoyed it. It was a good spectacle. Two quality teams, to say the least. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Those are two excellent programs, two excellent coaches, as you said. Uh, so, you know, that was good for the SEC to win that type of game because, you know, on the other end, they lost, you know, Georgia lost to Clemson. So if you're the SEC, you're trying to win those uh, big non-conference games. You don't want to lose your edge in the in the rankings and in the, in the eyes of the voters. So that was important for LSU to win that game. You know, if they, the SEC went 0-2 in those those two contests, you know, maybe people start questioning. Well, maybe SEC is still you know has a little crack in it. Yeah. Well, speaking of the SEC and uh, 
I was intrigued to see that Western Kentucky and their new coach, Bobby Petrino, uh, beat Kentucky, who is a member of the SEC, and maybe not one of their football powers, but nonetheless, they're in the SEC, and they lost to Western Kentucky. I'm sure that raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, especially to someone in your state. It's it's bad enough, John, to lose to an FCS school that, that's coming into your you know home territory, but now you have to listen to it from all the riders in Kentucky and all the fans. You know, they can rib those uh, Wildcat fans. So that that was a wasn't a good loss for you know Stoops in his opening game and of course Petrino he's an offensive wizard and he he showed that again he he's an excellent offensive coach and and you better have your defenses ready especially in the first game. Yeah, well, say you one about Petrino and we all know the story of how he ended up uh, being ousted at Arkansas, but he made his name at Louisville and <laughs> brought that program basically into the limelight, uh, made him a player, if you will, in the college football scene. Then, of course, you know, uh, went to Atlanta, went to the NFL and the Atlanta Falcons, left there under, uh, you know, less than perfect circumstances, bolts to Arkansas, <laughs> leaves there under really less than perfect circumstances. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's just come full circle. There he is back at, you know, Western Kentucky, so between his Louisville history, coaching now at Western Kentucky, and then starting off his career there, beating Kentucky, I mean, he is like a bluegrass state, you know, uh, story, <laughs> to put it mildly. I mean, I'm, you know, Nemesis. what can you say? Yeah, he, he's caused those folks a lot of headache through the years, and uh, I don't know if, uh, matter of fact, I think I was listening to the um, one of the coaches the other day from Kentucky, head coach, and they were asking him about uh, having them on the future schedule, and I don't think that's been established yet. But he said he wouldn't mind keeping them on there, but he better get his, his uh, defenses ready for the next time. Well, exactly. And, you know, speaking of smaller schools beating bigger schools, uh, you know, football championships, subdivision schools also, uh, you know, had their time in the sun last week, and uh, North Dakota State beat uh Kansas State in Manhattan that was a stunner to say the least Eastern Washington upset Oregon State another real stunner Oregon State was ranked 25th in the country uh so you know this is just becoming you, you know a regular occurrence now every year you know you just go back to the uh, the granddaddy of them all so to speak is obviously Appalachian State beating Michigan a few years back and it just has now and it, it seems that it gets noticed more and seems to happen more often because that's when they play or, or, you know, the first weekend, week or two in the college season is when this is all ha always happening. Yeah, and John, that might have been a record last week, I think, with seven teams, FCS teams beating FBS teams. So it, it's getting to be like college basketball now. You, every weekend, doesn't matter what level, you better be ready to contend. Yes, the mid-majors have arrived, so to speak. Um, it's just There's just so much talent out there. There really are, and these kids are coming out of high school across the country, you know, so much better prepared than they were a mere five, ten years ago. It's remarkable. And, you know, John, I think that, that surprised me. I don't think I would ever see the day that the lower levels in football, because it's such a manpower-dominated sport, Whereas basketball, you have a couple of players, you, you can make hay against these other teams. But in football, 
you need a full set of you know offensive and defensive players. I just never realized that this could happen. Yeah, well, you know, I think the difference has always been depth. And if you don't have injuries, you know, even the FCS uh, schools can field, you know, 20, 30 players who are FBS level, so to speak. And that's why, you know, just to talk about another interesting game last week. And uh, the Penn State game was, you know, great theater, great ending with Syracuse. And, you know, I'm sure Penn State fans are keeping their fingers crossed because if there's not a lot of injuries and they don't have to go, you know, into depth, which is going to be severely affected with the NCAA sanctions, Penn State could make its presence known. And, you know, Syracuse isn't, you know, what it once was either, but that was a good game. You know, they seem to found an excellent coach. Yes, and, it's all about the coach. You know, it's all about the coaching in college, I believe. And that young quarterback, he came in and played in, you know, at that MetLife Stadium, and he really represented the school and his everyone very well. Yeah, Christian Hackenberg, number one recruit in the country, true freshman. We talked about Jameis Winston, but I think if you put together a top five freshman list uh you know making their debut hackenberg would certainly be on it uh you know he he showed he showed some real flashes he clearly has an nfl arm that was instantly obvious yeah and his loyalty paid off because the penn state fans are thrilled to death to have him exactly exactly first good news they've had down there in a while to say the least yeah and it's a great way to start the season and maybe it'll turn things around for him and because they've had so much hardship in the last few years so yeah, good things on the on the horizon for Penn State. Absolutely. Uh, well, we still have some more football to get to AP, but right now, why don't we uh, take our final break and we'll uh, again stick with some more football on the other side. flagship station for sports voice america sports this week on the revolution with jim and trav that's presented to you by outdoor channel hey we're talking wolves and the pros and cons of them with david allen from the rocky mountain elk foundation and minnesota deer hunter association executive director mark johnson our wolf pack with uh, jeff hagner who's the director of montana fish wildlife and parks and finally mrs bonnie and it's brought to you by outdoor channel and ram trucks wednesdays at one pacific on the voice america sports channel What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole! It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Bombs away. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. 
In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. He'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of BAM Magazine. And A.P., we've covered a lot of college football from last weekend. And uh, just one or two more items we didn't get to to close out last weekend. And then we'll take a few minutes to talk about what's coming up for this weekend. John, uh, when you looked at it, at that Oregon score, 66-3, to they, they dominated Nickel State, a uh, small school in Louisiana. That's where the Manning Passing Academy is held each year. It seems like it's going to be a seamless transition offensively for the Ducks with the new head coach, Mark Helfrich. And, uh, you know, look forward to them just piling up the points. And, you know, if, they, if their defense improves, then that will give them uh, more of a chance to be in that championship game and win the Pac-12. And then the other thing that was on the unimpressive side was Nebraska. They stumbled through uh, a three-point victory over unranked Wyoming, 37-34. But the biggest blemish on the game was Nebraska. The Blackshirts, noted for defense, gave up 600-plus yards and just held on for the victory. You know, four touchdowns, 383 yards of passing by the Cowboys. So, I don't un- I don't quite understand Bo Pelini, a defensive guy, and he's, his teams have not performed well on that side of the ball. That is perplexing, and I agree. Uh, I also found it notable in that game that uh, Nebraska broke the all-time attendance record at Memorial Stadium, and that is saying something. <laughs> it sure uh, is. To say the least, you know, that, that's uh, that just jumped out at me that they would have their biggest crowd in the history of – fabled memorial stadium uh you know granted opening weekend but against wyoming who, who again it's you know they remind me a little of boise state you know that that's a football mad area up there uh they're they're i think they're called the cowboys and they're like the only game in town and they're beloved to say the least and they got a good program i mean they're not you know they're, they're not the sisters of the poor by any stretch of the imagination wyoming no no but nobody expected do. them to do that yeah, through the years they've been to bowl games, so oh, yeah. you know, it's one of those little little uh, golden nuggets out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, again, great opening weekend to uh, college football, and uh, we're back at it again. You know, really, it's hardly even restricted to weekends anymore. There was a game last night. I know East Carolina was playing, and then, uh, you know, 
Friday night games have become a staple. But the big one we all know is Notre Dame-Michigan tomorrow. I found Brian Kelly's comments that it wasn't, quote, a historic rivalry uh, to be just bizarre. I mean, it's the entire nation is interested in that game, period. You you, you don't even have to be a casual college football game. You're going to watch that game. That's one of a handful of, like, just national appeal games that, again, non-football fans will will watch. I didn't understand it, John, myself. Did he have a moment where his mind went blank? And he, exactly. Or was, was there something that he was tr- intending to incite his team or the other team or uh, the fans? I, I really don't know. I just complete, <clears throat> completely lost me with those comments. Totally. I mean, you know, I I don't have an allegiance to either team, you know, whatsoever. But, you know, it's just a game that you you uh, put it this way. Any college football fan, myself, yourself, you automatically know that's happening the second week of the season. And you just have it in your mind that, of course, you're going to watch it. I mean, that's the best way I could describe it. Like it's it's a don't miss. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. And if you look back through the years, everybody remembers, you know, the rocket returning the kickoffs and yes. Tim Brown, the punts and Michigan's field goal kickers winning games and Notre Dame field goal kickers winning games. And, uh, you know, last second plays, I mean, you don't have, like you say, you don't have to be that much of a fan to understand that's a fantastic game every year on the calendar that you're going to at least watch the highlights of nothing else. Right, and even recently, it's been fantastic. Denard Robinson and stuff. I mean, there's been some remarkable endings just in the last year or two. I mean, it's not like it used to be good and sort of, you know, subsided. It has been raging and getting better in recent years. So that was bizarre. You know, Grady Hoke, Michigan coach, handled it well. The more I see of him, the more I like him. He is rapidly becoming one of my favorite college football coaches. You and I are going to see him in person in two weeks. Uh, when they Michigan travels east to play UConn here, we're both covering it. I can't wait to sit in his press conference. I just find him really appealing. He just feels like an old-time football guy. You know, he's the guy who brought Tom Brady into the Michigan locker room a couple weeks ago before the Lions preseason game. He used to coach Brady. I mean, he, he was on the coaching staff when Brady was there, and you know, we've all seen the clips of Brady's speech to the Michigan football team, which was rousing, to put it mildly, and, you know, Grady Hoke created it. Just that simple. So I just really like this guy. Oh, oh yeah, he's he's really genuine, uh, John. He's he's someone that you can sit down with and, uh, you know, talk and have a conversation about football and college athletics. And, and John, I'm wondering, you know, since Brady's so close, I'm not sure where the Patriots Patriots are that weekend, but maybe he'll be down uh, at Rensselaer Field. You know, that is a great point. Uh, that's an excellent point. Uh, Brady loves it. I mean, he just proved he's still, you know, he doesn't forget where he came from. Uh, the fact that he was in Ann Arbor a couple weeks ago, traveled out from Detroit, which is about 35 miles away. Um, so, yeah. That's it. That is interesting. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule here. Mm-hmm. The next day they are at the Jets. The Patriots are. Mm-hmm. So, uh, excuse me. Uh, I'm wrong about that. Yeah. The next day is the home opener, Tampa Bay. I was looking in October. Excuse me. Sunday, September 22nd, Patriots hosting 
the Tampa Bay Bucks in there. Uh, oh. So Brady will be in town that weekend. Uh, yeah. You make a very good point. Yeah, I suspect he'll be there, John. I really do, and I you know suspect any other players, and you know, even if it was some Tampa Bay players that uh, you know played at Michigan would be down at that game as well. Yeah, well, we've talked about this. Uh, you know, you and I are going. I mean, I'll speak for myself. I'm going because you know, I grew up. I'm, you know, a college football fan. I have a deep passion from growing up in central Pennsylvania near Penn State, and. Honestly, you know, not nearly the opportunity up here in New England to see the big-time college football games. So when you have a school like Michigan coming in to the region, you go. I mean, I go. It's just that simple. Yeah, so, there's no doubt about it. I wouldn't miss it if I was going to be in this area, you know, before heading south. I'm definitely going to be at that game. And I'm really excited to see uh, Michigan. And, you know, and it'd be very interesting, especially if they won this next game. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's going to be great. Again, Michigan is, uh, you know, you know, just on, on the obvious shortlist of the winningest college program in the history of college football. That's all you need to say. Oh, yeah. It doesn't get any bigger than Michigan. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be fun to have him here. You make a great point. I wonder if Brady will be there. That's just a, a great point. We'll certainly we'll certainly be keeping our eyes and ears peeled for that, to say the oh. least. And in, in this weekend, John, you know, Tommy Reese, the Notre Dame quarterback, he, he played quite well up there a couple of years ago. Even with the two turnovers he had, they were ahead, I think, by 17 in the fourth quarter, and the defense can hold on to the lead. Correct, correct. Well, yeah, so. He threw for three touchdowns, over 300 yards, and, uh, you know, they could have won that game, but the defense wasn't up to par. But, but uh, you know, when you look at the Michigan quarterback, his first game last week, he threw two interceptions against Central Michigan. So I don't I don't believe Michigan can win that game with turnovers from their quarterback. No, no. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, given what happened with Notre Dame, losing Everett Golson as their starting quarterback for the year due to academic reasons or whatever, uh, you couldn't have a better, more seasoned backup. Uh, than Tommy Reese, he, he he's you know played played a lot of college football for as the Notre Dame quarterback, so uh, he'll be ready tomorrow night, no question about it. Yeah, he's he's a capable player. If he can cut down and, and improve on in that area of turnovers, he he can make a lot of good throws for that team to you know win games. Uh, Brady Hoke, I, I think it's like fifteen and zero at home right now, but it's, he's only played one ranked team. It's Nebraska, so it'll be a big challenge for. Uh, the Wolverines and and you know I think they hold a 13 and seven record versus Notre Dame at Ann Arbor. Right, right. No, it's going to be uh, again any game for the Big House is you know worth watching. But you know you throw Notre Dame on a Saturday night, <laughs> it's going to be riveting. It is my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing, and then uh, you know go to bed after watching that game, wake up, and it's going to be the NFL in full gear, NFL red zone on Sunday. Can't wait. So it's just, uh, I mean, this is this is the official kickoff weekend to all of football, NFL and college and high school for that matter. Yeah, it sure is, John. And, you know, Stanford, they haven't played yet, so they're going to be opening against San Jose State, which was a tight game last year, but I don't, <laughs> I don't see it happening this year. I know, I know. Uh, well, 
we shall see. That's the fun part of it. It's going to be a big weekend to really kick everything off. And AP, great perspective as always. We love your expertise in college football and football in general. So uh, we look forward to doing it all again next week. And thanks for calling in. Thank you, John. My pleasure. Look forward to next week. Sure thing. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.